This morning, I want to begin with a joke, as I never have done before, or very seldom. I heard something, you know, and, and it said that, you know, it was an elementary school that was forming to go through the lunch line. It was lunchtime, and so the kids began to get their trays and go through the line, and little boy at the end of the line noticed that as he scooted his tray through the line, there was a big bowl of apples, and there was a sign right next to the bowl that said, written by the lunch lady. You, do you remember that lunch lady? She wrote on there, take only one, God is watching. So the kids went on down the line a little bit, and at the end of the line, there was a big bowl of chocolate chip cookies. And some little kid had scratched on a napkin that said, eat all you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> Let's open in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. We've already done that. This morning, I, I'm so glad that you're here and, and, and just taking initiative to hear the Word of God on a weekly basis. You know, we encourage you to be self-feeders and get into the Word of God in the, during the week and, and have a, a, a flow of the Word in your life, not just from the pastor, and, and, and push in not to just get a second revelation or a second-hand revelation. In other words, what the pastor's experienced and taught you but a first-hand revelation. Uh, first-hand revelation is when the light goes off you know, in your head and you go, I get it. And, and that happens by spending time in, in the presence of God. Uh, and, and then when you come, you realize that even during worship time, when, you, when you're worshiping, it, it, it is an experience. It, it's more than just words or more than just a time before church or before the sermon is preached. It's actually the service, the, the actual powerful ability to enter into the presence of God. You know, we're in a series of sermons that I've entitled Kingdom. And through the last few weeks, we've opened up the Word of God to a new, possibly, let me say that, a new perspective. This morning, the title of my message is that, Perspective. Problem or answer. Problem or answer. The way that you see yourself. Uh, to realize that this series possibly could give you a new paradigm of, of thinking. To, to realize that God has created us to rule and reign in life is sometimes almost more than somebody can handle. It, it's, it's almost too good to be true. And, and, and to get to that, that, I guess you could say, a paradigm shift of thinking one way and all of a sudden getting in the Word of God and going, wow. Why haven't I seen this before? And, and then begin walking that out in your life to the point where it becomes part of you. Not just what somebody's telling you, but actually becomes part of you, part of your DNA. It, it is amazing how the transformation begins to take place in your life. Of walking in that purpose that God has given us. You know, uh, sometimes when we are asked, who are you? And, 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 you know, the, the thought comes out first that, well, I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. 
And, and so many times a, a person will link their identity with what their job is in life. And, and the problem with that is a lot of times they'll say, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm a butler, I'm a baker, I'm a candlestick maker, and I've got seven years and six months and five days before retirement because I really hate it. And because their identity is tied with something of just bringing in resources to meet the need of survival, paying the bills, because they have linked their identity with what they've done, if they like it or not, they just go, you know what, I just don't like it. But when you realize through the Word of God, that God loves you so much. And it isn't because, you know, you're special and therefore God loves you. But God loves you and that's what's making you special. So, so with that thought is when you realize that you're a child of the King and you begin to think, well, if I'm a child of the King, then I'm a prince. I'm a princess instead of a pauper. And, and it begins to change your mindset. Or it should if you'll allow yourself to, to be just overwhelmed by the love that God has for us. Now again, this, this is something that some of you are going to have to stretch in. Last week we, we brought up the title, uh, Training for Reigning. Can you say that? I am training for reigning. Say it again. I am training for reigning. Now, again, some of you, you, like the Incredible Hulk, you start turning green and you I can't handle that. That's too much. Because someone has spoken over your life, you're nothing. Possibly even through false humiliation or humility, you, you begin to bring on yourself, well, I'm nothing, I'm just a worm. Therefore, it handicaps the power that God has put as a purpose in you, the gift to be able to go into a dark world and shine. To, to have a different mindset of a king or a queen in, in the world we, we live in, we know that through history, it, it's been a, a, a perspective that, that the king is so self-seeking and, and what's in it for me and everybody's around me to protect me and even taste my food because I want to be... But what, what we're talking about is, again, another definition as Jesus comes in to change that perverted view of it being a king to, to wrapping a towel around him and becoming a servant and even washing his disciples, his students' feet. Training for reigning. You know, I, I said that, you know, it's a great place to start is begin reading Proverbs and, and having the wisdom of God put in your life. And, and then every time I said that you're in the New Testament and it says the kingdom of God is like this to take note and to process that and read that. Don't just, you know, see how fast you can read through it. What did it say? I have no idea, but I read it all. Prophets, you nothing. And then I said to begin to Realize that you're above and not beneath. You're a king or a queen and you're, you're made to reign. Now, now watch this. Before I go on, some of us are going to have to stretch. Someone has to stretch to get to the place of realizing that. You're training to reign. 
If you're walking and, and the king says, this is what I want you to do to be able to train to reign. Come on up, come on up. And you go, you know what? I just, it, there, there's something about that, that that we all kind of go, ugh. When the word of God tells us to do something and we fight it, do we ever get around that, that mindset that, that there's people that want to argue? Give it an excuse to go to the doctor and the doctor says, if you don't exercise, you're not going to live long. I don't need to exercise. Well, there's an excuse for dying early. There you go. It's our choice. When the Word of God, the Word of God says to tithe, to give 10%. We want to fight. That's not for us. That's not for the church of today. That's just getting our... Well, just go ahead. I cannot afford one thought in my mind that is different to the view that God has for me. When I get to the place of worship and I begin to fight, I don't have to surrender. I... Hey, are you training for reigning? Are you stretching? Are you saying, you know, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not royalty. I am not a child of the king. And if I am a child of the king, it's just entitled. That, that's not what we're talking about today. To understand it, training for reigning is even with a sense of urgency. Now, now watch this. There, there, there's something about as we realize that we're, we're training for reigning, when we realize that if, if somebody said on March 15th, everybody in your office is going to gather around in the lobby and call you out and say, hey, well, this is a problem. We need an answer. Would you be ready? You'd be like, you better believe. I'll be praying. I'll be asking advice. I'll be learning. I'll be... But because we don't know... it's. Kind of like the day of the Lord. We don't know the hour or the, the date, that, that the appointed time of, of how we're walking in the appointment of God. The, the sense of urgency keeps us fresh to say, God, today, 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 I want to learn from you. you. You realize that's what even happened to Daniel. When the king says, all the wise men are going to die today. He had the ability to go in and say, if you give me a minute, I'll get an interpretation for your dream. And it happened. He had been walking in that anointing. To think with an, and act with a sense of urgency. See, see, the Word of God says it like this. That when Jesus asked his disciples that had been with him all this time, who do men say that I am? They said all these, people are saying all these Old Testament men, some say John the Baptist, and then he goes, well, that, that's good. Who do you say that I am? You, you've been around me, you've walked with me, you've talked with me. Who do you say? And, and Peter jumps in and says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, now watch this, this is such an important part for us. Because at that moment, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. I believe on this revelation that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I'm going to build my church. Note to self, we are the church. Okay. I'm going to build my church. And, and it'll have so much energy and power, even the gates of hell cannot keep it out. 
you, you understand the gates of hell are around hell and we're taking it to hell and we're going to break through the gates of hell. The power of the kingdom of God. Now, he said this, and I want you to read with me because talking about us as being keys to the kingdom, again, some of us, it's going to take stretching because this is something that you might be like, I, I just, that's so good, that, that's so powerful that, that you would say that I'm a key in the kingdom of God. I, I, I have authority. Now, now watch this. When, when Jesus is telling Peter that in the disciples, again, he says this, in verse 19, he says, and that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Can I get up? Praise the Lord for that. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No, matter, no more barriers between heaven and earth. And heaven, listen to this, it says, earth and heaven, a yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Now, now if, if you read that and process that, what, what it's saying is, you have authority, because Jesus is giving us authority. And that authority even has the ability to trample over the powers of hell. Somebody comes to you at work and says, man, I, I got this problem. You go, you know, you don't have to. It's not a, a point, again, that, that you're special and God's going to give you the ability. No, you're special because God has given you the ability. So you go, Let, let's pray right here. Because I'm not a problem. I'm part of the answer. See, I, I'm, listen, I'm the answer looking for a problem. Instead of going through life going, i got a problem. Is there an answer out there? Woo! That's good preaching right there. Now, now listen. When you realize that you're the key, does, does anybody like me have a key to your car or your house? Now, this key right here has a story behind it like every key does. And you have a story. This is a key to my car. I was so proud when I bought this little used car. I drove all the way to East Texas and got a smoking deal on this little car. And I, I, I got to the place of making the deal and the lady says, I can't find but one key. No problem, I'll go down to Home Depot and make a key. <laughs> Wrong. I found the, the template, the raw key on eBay. Like 10 bucks. Woo! Because I had called BMW and found out that this key is about $450. Yuck! For a key? I didn't want the one made out of gold or platinum. No, that's what they cost because there's a chip in it. Well, could you take the chip out and give me one for $8? No, it runs... So eBay sends me a key. I go down to Locksmith. He says, yeah, we can make that key. And he makes the key... But all it does is open the door. It doesn't turn on the car. And he cost me $50. That key has a story because she found, the previous owner found a key and sent me the second key. 
Now, now you ask, what is that thing on your keys? It came with the key. And I don't know if that's horsetail or what it is, but I laughed at it and was about ready to take it off until I remember how many times I've lost my keys. And I thought, if that thing's on it, it's kind of like a gas station brick they tie around the key so you don't take it. I will never lose that with that thing on there. So it stays on there for now. Now, now this key right here is a key to my house. It is a seemingly inexpensive key. Until one day, I got to my house, and all the doors were locked. Couldn't get into my own house. No problem. I will go out and get the hidey key to find out that somebody else that lives at that house had it upstairs in their bedroom. No problem, I'll call the locksmith, which the locksmith knew that I couldn't get into my own house and said, I can get you in for $200. (laughs) The value of keys are so important in our life. It is the same way in the world we live in that God has anointed you to be a key. Key to the world we live in. Now listen, you have the authority and the power to unlock doors that other people are standing outside going, how do we do it? We, we just see the problem. Now, now watch this. I just want to take a little pause and step aside. Because if there's people here right now that you might be saying, you know, again, I just feel like, you know, I just am not worthy to be a, a king or a queen or reign in this world that God has anointed me to be a key to, to, to share the love of God. I just can't get to that. Good. Let me tell you, as I said last week, I'm going to share it twice, this illustration. Can you imagine this morning if Rembrandt or Michael Angelo or Picasso, one of the famous artists, had painted a beautiful picture and we showed it up on the wall, and, and I went, Ooh, look at the colors of that painting. Isn't that disgusting? Would I be complimenting or insulting the artist? You'd be insulting. And so many times when we think that we're being humble by talking about ourselves in a negative way, it's not humble or humility, but it's stupid. When you stop and realize that God has chosen to create man in his own image, but then to go another step forward and think that Jesus sat in the chair as the model, it does not do us any good to think with false humility that we have no power, we have no authority on this earth. All that God has done, remember, as keys to the kingdom of God, the two things that the keys, again, represent, as we talked about last week in the book of Isaiah and Revelation, is the fact that the keys gave access to the unlimited resources of the kingdom. And the second one was that the keys gave authority to the person that had it to allow or to control who came into the king's presence. And I want you to remember of how costly it was for Jesus to pay for the keys for the key of heaven or for hell when he died on the cross 
But think of how costly it is when we have the key and we bury it. And we do not tell people about the access and the the ability to come into the presence of God. That's what we do when we do not share the love of God with people about what he did on the cross. Let me me ask you this. How do you feel when I say that you're a king or a queen or that you're made to reign in this life? That you are a key to setting people free by telling them what Jesus did on the cross for them. To to understand that the wholeness that they could experience in their life, the healing that they could have in their body. There's sometimes a person that can draw back and say, you know what, that that might be for a pastor or that might be for somebody that's Mother Teresa or the, you know, whoever that we picture is holier than thou. But this morning, as I began to, or or this week, as I put this message together, you know, and, and I put myself in the seat listening to me speak a lot of times, and I think, if this was just so good that it was almost too good to be true, how would I feel convinced that the pastor could could share with me the truth of God to the point of a revelation of saying, wow. And he could be dynamic or creative or funny or whatever. But really, I want to know the word of God. I want to know, what does God say about me? Because again... Once we know who God is for ourselves, the firsthand revelation of who He is and how good He is and His love for us, then we find out by revelation of the Word of God who we are in Him. Hmm. Let me tell you, all of a sudden it's like that we have the love of God around us. So anyway, this morning, before I read this, I want you to realize it's your choice if you believe the Word of God. That's like anything. If you don't believe the Word of God, then that's on you. But if you have committed yourself to say, yeah, the Word of God is true, and it's active and it's alive in my life, then I want you to see something. Because every time that I tried to break it out or I thought I could summarize it, I thought, no, 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 no. I want to know. I want to tell the church exactly what the Word of God says. Now, this is in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read mostly the whole chapter, and I want you to listen to it in a certain way. Here's what I I want you to listen to it. As if you could tell somebody at lunch, in summary, what this chapter says. And if you have your word, you could bring it and and read it to them. But, But this is what it says, okay? This is the message that the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the early church of the good things, how God sees them. Now watch this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, How blessed is God and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessings in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. Now doesn't that put a smile on your face just right there? He's thinking about you before even the foundations of the earth. Yes, Pastor John, it does. Okay, thank you very much. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. 
Now watch this. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. In verse 10 it goes, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross for a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it out before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Now, now if, you, if, you, if you understand it again, all of our purpose, all that we are as believers, all that we are as kings or queens, all of us that are destined to reign in this world, all of it is summed up in who? Jesus. Don't miss that. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth, everything is summed up in him. Verse 11, it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. See, there's people all over the world going, I don't know what I live. Have you you given Jesus? No, no, no. Well, you're going to keep looking. And you're you're looking for a square peg to put in a round hole. It's not going to work. Hmm. Let me say it again. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of salvation, found yourself home free. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Woo! This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that, well, we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. That's why when I heard... Now, now Paul's going to shift from, this is, this is what I want for you. He says... That's why when I heard of the solid trust you had in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I I do more than thank. I ask. I ask God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, listen, to make you intelligent. Hallelujah! Anybody want to be intelligent beside me? That's what Paul was praying. God, I want to be intelligent, but get, watch this. I've been praying that he makes you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. 
your, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He's calling you to do. That you grasp the immensely of His glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Now watch this. Endless energy and boundless strength. Verse 20, we're, we're getting close. Look at this. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the death. Let me, let me start over. I got to miss. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the death and set him on the throne in deep heaven. Now, watch this. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all and has final word of everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not the peripheral to the world. Do you know what peripherals? When you see it out of the side of your eye, it's the things that are on the outside of the focus. He says this, it, the church is not the peripheral of the world. The world is the peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts by which He fills everything with His presence. Now, some of you are going, could you say that slower? I want you to go back and process that chapter. But here's, here's that last part where it says that we, we know that we're the church, right? Let, let's break it down. We're the church. And it says that if we're the church, we're Christ's body. If we're Christ's body, it says that it's His presence, His body. Listen, that He speaks and acts by which He fills everything with His presence. God has given the authority to the believer, the power, the key to the problem on earth that he redeemed, as we talked about, the curse, the sin that came in through the Garden of Eden, through Adam's sin, that he comes, Jesus comes as the second Adam, the second, and redeems, not only the second, but the last. And he redeems man, not to, not to make a plan B, but to restore the First plan that man was to reign on this earth. To be able to share the love of God. I don't know about you, but it kind of gets exciting the more you think about it. When you begin to actually walk in the revelation that God loves us so much that He says, I'm anointing you. See, see, a lot of us have been waiting on God and God says, I've already given you the authority. What, what are you waiting on? Now let me ask you, after reading that, how do you feel about having the keys to the kingdom? I hope that you're still not walking in the false humility of, well, I'm just a worm as I, you know, the song goes. And again, I think that the religion thought that influences the church has hamstrung the church and created a lack of power working through the church that we come, and if we're not careful, we're just spectators. We don't stretch because there's no urgency. 
We don't believe that if there's a problem that we face in the workforce or in the marketplace or at home, if there's an offense that we have between our, our... Do you know that the number one person that has made me mad in my life more than anybody is my wife? And we all laugh, but we know that because the person that we live with the most has the greatest opportunity. But we know that as believers that we're walking and we say, you know what? I'm... There's been times where she would say something like, you missed your turn. If there was a defense attorney sitting in the back seat, I would have said, we're getting divorced right now. But I don't walk in my emotions. Everybody with me on that? Gentlemen, amen? All right. Why? Because we're stretching. We're walking it out. We're not, we're not going to that, well, that's just who I am. No, it is not who you are. Again, realizing as children of the King, of understanding the unlimited resources that God has given us, to be able to use, to be able to say, God, I, I ask for healing in my family's life or my, my work associate's life. To, to be able to realize that we have the key to, to say who can come to know the Lord by just our influence, our ability to speak and evangelize the people that are around it. To say, this is the good news. Power God has given us. Now, now let me just quickly run through now, kind of a, a, an illustration of the people in the Bible that has walked in that authority. If you would, look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. The New King James Version translation says it this way, A man's gift brings him before great men. See, a lot of times we, we minimize the gift that God has put into our life. Oh, it's nothing. It's no big deal. It's, it's not yeah, just a worm as I. When we don't realize the gift that we're sitting on is loaded. It has power. Do, do you realize that it is the key to the problem that we're going to come into? Now again, we're talking about the kingdom and the keys that open the door. The keys that open, you are the key that opens the door. I want you to see a group of people really quick. And this morning, I want you to say, God, I want to be an answer. Make me an answer and not the problem. A perspective change in your life. Because you know how you know that you'll become the answer to the problem of the situation that you're involved in? is because you'll watch what comes out of your mouth. I'll tell you right now that when I become distracted and I become stressed out and I become, I come down here and I start seeing the problem. Boy, I tell you, they're a problem, they're a problem. I tell you, we got problems and it starts with a capital P and it's, you know, I start singing the song, Woe is me. Everybody has a little chicken little in them. The sky's falling. The sky's but, but when you begin to get into the Word of God, all of a sudden you begin to come up beyond the problems. But the problem is, if we're not careful, it feels more comfortable because of the people that are around us that we stay down here in the problem. 
Because we'll get a group around us that'll be cheering us on down here in the problem. Divorce him. Divorce her. Divorce him. He's a loser. Kick him out. Kick her out. In that relationship, don't walk in love with him. They stand in line around us to say that. But we come to church to hear people say the thing that is not the most popular thing in the world. Walk in love. Don't walk in offense. Be generous givers. All those things. So, so look at this real quick. When you take the story of Joseph and his brothers and the Joseph story, you see that the people that usually look at you as a problem are the people that are not yet to your point. Do you realize that? And in the process of you working out the purpose of God in your life and walking in it, the people that will be under you will throw the rocks up, boom, and try to knock you off because your blessings somehow becomes an intimidation or, or whatever against them. When Joseph gets the dream and he begins to tell the dream, his brothers see him as a problem. They put him in a pit. But it's the Ishmaelites, it's the slave traders that are coming by that are going to buy him that sees him as what? An answer. They pull him out of the pit, they take him to Egypt, and they sell him as an answer to Potiphar. Boy, if I had a slave like him, he'd come into my house, he'd... And eventually he becomes even more of an answer when it is revealed that the blessing and the favor is on his life. He begins to rule, or I should say manage, the household of Pharaoh. But after he will not sleep with Pharaoh's wife, she sees him as a problem. See, she thought he was an answer and he knew it was a problem. No, sir, we're not going there. He goes to prison because he is looked at as a problem. But in prison, he interprets the dream of a butler and a baker, and he becomes the answer. Until one day, the king, the pharaoh, did I say a while ago pharaoh? Potiphar. Pharaoh has a dream. And they're looking out there for what? The answer. And somebody says, there's this guy back in prison that interpreted a dream... Go get him. Now, now again, the sense of urgency that works in our life, I can't get you urgent. You might be a laid back kind of guy, you know, or lady, and you might be the, hey man, easy going. Come on now. Have a little bit of self-urgency and realizing that the day comes when they knock on his prison cell and says, the big guy wants you to interpret the dream that you're ready to go. They bring him before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream. Now, now watch this. He is the answer, and the famine that is going to come, that he is going to prophesy what's coming and interpret the dream, Pharaoh says, you're the key, and plugs him right in. You're going to solve the problem. The famine is the problem, and everybody could see the problem, but Joseph has been working to become the key or the answer to the problem. I want you to hear me. Some of the hard things that we go through are, are putting us in place to solve the future problem, to be the answer, to be the key. 
real quick, I told you last week and the week before that our past is no longer ours. That God bought, Jesus bought and paid for by his blood, that no longer. And every time that we pull up from being our purpose in life and we say, well, you know, I messed up and I did all this and all that, you're deceiving yourself because you're remembering the past as it was, but it's not like that anymore. By Jesus purchasing that back, or purchasing that for what he did on the cross, now it cannot be used against us. It can only be used on our behalf. How many people have used their testimony of what they've gone through in life to propel them in life of what their purpose is? Again, the gift of Joseph was interpreting dreams, and that made him the key to the answer of the famine. Well, when you think about the story of Esther, really she is um, living with her cousin Mordecai. Mordecai, a cousin, could have seen Esther as a problem. She's an orphan. Her mother and father have died, but Mordecai sees her as an answer. She's a child of God. He takes her in and begins to train her. All of a sudden, one day, the king needs a queen, and they're looking for young virgins in the kingdom. She is brought in and under the training of Mordecai begins to act out the training. Now, if you ask yourself, what would you guess her gift was? A lot of people would say her beauty. But I want you to understand that a lot of times that we try to put beauty or, you know, the, kind of the, why are they best? Because they're six foot ten. Of course they're going to be. And, and that takes kind of the responsibility off the person. But when you think that her talent, or not her talent, but her beauty, was really not her key. It didn't hurt, and she was put into place to have an attempt. But there was all these young ladies that were beautiful. But if you read that story, I believe her purpose, her giftedness, was her ability to find favor with whoever she was with. It says, first of all, that she found favor with the guy that was over all the harem. He was a eunuch. He gave her the ability because of the favor that was on her life to give her kind of the tricks of the trade and how to, how to stand out in a crowd. And it said this, that then Esther, just a couple verses later, found favor with everyone that she was around. But then the main thing comes into focus when you see Esther chapter 2 verse 17 when it says this, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other woman. And she won his favor and approval more than any other virgin so he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Ashdai I want you to see this her gift of winning favor ushered her into royalty and would save the Jewish people from the coming genocide favor Making her and allowing her to come to the understanding of a changed perspective of, well, you know, I don't know if I can do it. And Mordecai says, you can do it. You're up. A key. When you think about Gideon, it said that the Mennonites and the Amalekites and the other eastern people invaded Israel to the point that you couldn't even count them. They would sweep in and steal everything and leave nothing living. They'd just take everything. 
see you guys next year after you harvest all the grain and all the good stuff. And it says the people cried out to God. Now watch this. Do you realize that every time that there's a problem that God uses a man or a woman? To my knowledge, I never read in the Bible that he creates a robot or an angel comes down to solve the problem. Gideon is hiding. I'm the least of the least. And if you know the word of God in Judges chapter 6, write down, read it later. But I want you to see this. The problem of the enemy coming in and taking over the country and stealing everything. There is a problem. There's a blockade there in the people's life. They're looking for a key. They know the problem. Gideon's perspective is, I can't do it. God comes on the scene and begins to speak. And what happens? There's a perspective change. You could call it a paradigm shift. This is the way things... Oh, no, they're not anymore. This is the way things are. And if you read the passage of Scripture, what is the biggest shift in his thinking is when God says, I'll tell you how you're going to deliver the people, even though that they, you can't even count the enemy. You couldn't even summon the men of Israel to take over the enemy. I mean, as far as numbers go. But I'm going to show you how you're going to do this. God says... I'm going to give you a partner. I'm going to be your partner. Gideon, do you think that me and you could take on the enemy? The same question that I ask you today. If you're in a place where you're saying, well, I I just don't. If God showed up on your door and said, me and you, would you say, I'm in? Or would you, well, I don't know. If God puts you in the place of, you know, the king and he's looking at you saying, can you interpret my dream? Well, I I did that in the past, but I've never been in the palace before. Ladies, if you're in Esther's situation and and, and you have a dire situation, the hour is dark and they call upon you, would you say, well, you know, I, I I don't, I don't, I don't know, don't know. When you think about David, the problem is an ugly giant that's yelling insults. Everybody else sees the problem. David shows up and says, I got the answer. I'm the answer. God and me make a majority. Bang! Down goes Frazier. Down goes the giant. Well, when you think about the Apostle Paul... To to the Jewish people, he's the answer. And to the Christians, he's the problem. A perspective change comes, and usually that happens when you have a vision of Jesus talking to you. A revelation of who he is. The Damascus Road experience. And all of a sudden, what happens? He becomes the answer to the Christian, the new church that is forming. And he becomes a problem to the unbeliever. This morning, I I speak into your life that God has created you with a purpose to be the key of the people that are around you. 
that starts first with the reigning that happens inside of you. When we begin to realize of who we are, all of a sudden we begin to walk in the love that God has for us. It's a process. I mean, David ran from Saul for 13 years. We know that when we sign up, I'd like to be a king, that there's a process. And sometimes it's not fun. But not to shy away. Not to say, God, I can't do it. But say, God, I look for the day that you use me. The day that I can step in to kind of a convergence. Kind of the, the thought of when God, all the things that God has brought me through. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, I'm working in that situation. Under the anointing of God. And people say, how do you do that? How do you work with all those people? You got a minute? Because I can tell you how. God has created me. And, and through the stuff that it seems like had no purpose in my life, I look back and see how God brought me all those places to now gives me the anointing to be able to work in my destiny. This morning as I conclude my message, this is a message of good news. This is a message that you can take home and begin to process. To watch what comes out of your mouth. God, you love me so much. Not only did you die for me, but God, that you've given me authority and power to be able to be a key to the situation that I'm involved in. How many people sign up for that? I did. Let's agree in prayer today. Father, no matter what the circumstances are right now that we're going through, we can have faith because we trust you. God, we, we have committed our lives to you to be believers, but more than that, to be your children. That you've adopted us in your family. And Father, as we walk in that identity, God, we begin to see things different. God, we might even be called odd, peculiar people. But we know that those that call us peculiar and odd and, and maybe even strange, God, one day they'll be saying, can you, can you, can you help me? I, I need an answer. And Father, we'll be ready. Because people in our past, the God that they have not mixed your word with faith, and then they are failing, God, that they look back and they say that God doesn't work. God, we don't believe that. We allow you to be true and every man a liar. We stand on your word that it is real and true in our life. God, we love you for who you are in our life and what is coming in our life. And Father, today we give you glory and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.